I'm helping build a technology and I'm helping lead an organization. And I actually prefer putting founder on things than chief executive officer. That's Ashley Kalinowskis, founder and chief executive officer at Toragen Pharma. Listen in now to hear my conversation with Ashley. I'm John Simboli. You're listening to BioBoss. Here I am this morning talking with Ashley Kalinowskis, CEO of Torigen Pharmaceuticals. Ashley, how did you find yourself here at Torigen? Uh, great question. And I would say that I didn't really find myself here at Torigen. It evolved into Torigen from my graduate research. My professor and I from the University of Notre Dame decided to launch Torigen together. How did you decide you wanted to lead a biopharma company? I would say that it's the same with finding myself here, that I didn't necessarily decide that I wanted to lead a biopharmaceutical company, that it really just evolved into uh, this occurring. And it became that, you know, I was the expert, you know, with our technology alongside my professor, and I've kind of become really knowing so much about this field that it evolved into me leading. Did you see it coming at all? Did you, when the first discussion came up about, hmm, maybe we should do this, did you say, oh yeah, I was kind of thinking you might ask that, or it was more like, well, that's interesting. I think it um, it really was a stepwise approach. Like when we decided to start the company, when we decided to launch Torigen, it started as a business plan and in a business plan competition. So I would say that really until we ended up um, placing really high in the business plan competition, we won second place, that we, before then it was a graduate thesis. It was not a viable business plan or opportunity. So it kind of was a lot of um, little steps that helped put this together before we realized that this actually does have legs behind it. And it was something that we could be really excited about. What were you hoping to achieve that you could do here that maybe you couldn't do at another company? Well, I mean, where at another company can a graduate student run with the technology and see exactly how you can be able to effectively position it? So I would say kind of a really big thing about Torigen is that the technology started as a human cancer immunotherapeutic potential. All of our preliminary mouse model studies were in prostate cancer, ovarian, melanoma, mammary cancer, and all human. And the trajectory for the technology was a human trajectory. However, it really kind of became apparent when we asked how many pets get diagnosed with cancer that it was astounding how big of a problem this was. So when you hear that 8 million companion animals each year are diagnosed with cancer in the United States, and that's a low estimate, with 50% of all dogs over the age of 10 dying from cancer, it's... It's just this monumental problem that we're faced with with our pets that we love so dearly. So it's being able to take this technology and now apply it to we can actually help dogs with with cancer and cats as well and that it just made a a lot of sense. So I don't think you could have been able to do this at another company. Um, You know, you don't see Novartis, you know, deciding to launch something into into canine every day, but you can do it in a startup realm. When someone you don't, who doesn't know your business but knows you and I mean, hasn't seen your for a while, says, well, what are you doing now? I mean, to say you're a CEO, that's like, huh, that's pretty cool. But they may not know exactly what you're doing. So when someone says, 
What's your job? What do you say? Uh, I think it depends on who it is. If someone asks me on a plane, what do you do? I just do science. If someone asks me that, you know, maybe someone I like graduated with from high school, like, what are you up to now, Ashley? Um, I, I, I think I still say I do science. I think, I think as I, you know, I'm 29, I'm modest and I, it's, it's hard to say. I'm the founder and chief executive officer of a pharmaceutical company. We just raised $3.1 million. I'm on the VC route. It's, it's, um, it's pretty daunting to, to tell your peers that. And, you know, I think what my dad would say is probably completely different than what I would say. Um, so it, you know, I think as a, where I currently stand, it's I'm I'm helping build a technology and I'm helping lead an organization. And I actually prefer putting founder on things than chief executive officer. Not saying that I don't like the title or, or anything. I'm super proud of what I've accomplished and what I do. But I think it's um I think it's like an age thing where I still feel like I don't I still feel like I want to be a founder. So and you can be. I can't. I, I can be. You know, I can be the, the. I don't know. I can. I can make any title I want. Chief yoga instructor. And you know, some days that's what it is. <laughs> so. Well, and founders are kind of title you can carry for a while. It's kind of kind of. It's agnostic. Yeah. It's and it and it allows me to also have um. More more things that I accomplish throughout the day. You know, it's not just about. Uh, managing and uh, you know doing uh, managerial tasks it's a you know I'm on the ground because we're still a startup company so if I need to assist in the lab I'm assisting in the lab if I have to go out and make a sales call I'm making that sales call so it's uh, the cross gamut of founder just fits uh, fits better you're making me think of when we first met and you and I were having a similar conversation and one of your colleagues came in the room and she had a vial and she put it on the desk and you went right into a very specific science mode, which I didn't understand, but it <laughs> had to do with the gradation within the tube and what you were seeing. And I thought, well, that's interesting. This is someone who's in it on several levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it. I love knowing everything that we're, we're, we're doing and, you know, not micromanaging it by anything, but I could jump into any project that we currently have ongoing and be able to assist. So... That's what's cool about a startup. One of the reasons why we had to move upstairs was because our old office was too far away from the rest of the team, and by too far away, it was an extra, like, 20 steps. And that 20 steps meant they weren't coming to me with all of their questions, and then it would all be back-ended either at the front of the day or at the back of the day. So it was like, you know what, let's just let's just keep them coming. Let's answer as many questions or ask as many questions as we, we need to because we all need to come to the same answers together as a team. Yes, I can picture that long line outside your door. No, you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been doing this long enough to, can you remember what you thought your management style would be like and what you've learned your management style is, what works for you? I think I'm still evolving as to what my management style is per se and, you know, read, read some books and, and really like learning about how other founders have been able to kind of take their team. But I think I'm, I really like empowering people that they can do more, like they can do whatever they 
are tasked with, that they can accomplish it, and that they can achieve higher than they than they thought they originally did. So I think I, I like to be the, the manager of really positive support and that we're all here for each other and that we are a team working through this, that all projects are not siloed, that they're really cross-functional. When I was eight or nine, as far as I can remember, I was I was absolutely enthralled with being a baseball player. I thought I'd be, <laughs> yeah. a, right? I thought I'd be a pitcher. Yeah. And because I was playing little league and all that, and that's what kids my age did. Uh, and I think most of us at that age around there, we had a, a kind of a simplified view of what we were going to do. And I suspect not too many people ended up being baseball players. But can you remember mm-hmm. what your image, self-image was at that point? And then does it have anything to do with what you're doing at this point? I wanted to be a doctor. So hands down, I wanted to go into medicine from as early as I can remember. And I think once I got to college, that kind of changed um, changed a trajectory and changed a, a, the, that path. And I think, you know, there's a lot, a lot of student debt associated with going to medical school. So I think I, I, I was always really focused on, on science. And I think medicine and science go hand in hand. And kind of once I got further and deeper into science, I have such a great love for it. But I also knew that I didn't want to be behind a bench every day. So it was being able to combine business with science. And I thought that I brought something that not a lot of people did, um, an eloquent, eloquent way to describe complex science to the masses and be able to really get your hands dirty, work in the lab on a clean bench, so keep them very clean, Um, but to be able to um, explain what we're doing and why it makes sense and why that's driving from a business perspective. So I think kind of once I I got a little older, it was I want to be like CEO of Novartis. So it's still still on my radar. What's new at Torigen? So um, at Torigen, we have a personalized cancer immunotherapy that helps animals with cancer. So um, after an animal gets diagnosed, uh, a portion of their tumor is surgically resected and sent into our laboratories here. Uh, We then create the personal immunotherapy personalized immunotherapy that gets sent back to the veterinarian. So what's new at Torigen is that we've surpassed over 500 companion animals that we've now treated uh, to date. Uh, We've developed a really great tracking database so we can understand, monitor, and log how those pets are doing. We have automated surveys that go out to our veterinarians for follow-up information so that we can figure out how is this dog doing? What's going on? Is there any intervention that we can do and we can discuss and consult about from the veterinarians on our team. Uh, what's also new is that we're um, really hiring. So from the scientific front um, on, on our scientific development team to our production and vaccine uh, creation, um, and then also from you know really starting to understand market development as well. So I think all of those play players are kind of in, working right now and that we have some few openings at, at Torigen as well for for new hire. So I think that's um, exciting and scary in some ways. You know, it's it started as a, a little organization and not saying that we still aren't little. We're very little, but it's really great to hire these first few employees and watch things grow from there. Yeah, someone who, as you described a moment ago, someone who gets satisfaction out of seeing other people succeed. It must be really satisfying to be hiring those people as you're 
your people, your team. And I want to make sure that they're going to be set up for success. So I guess, you know, one, one of the critical hires I have to make right now is in marketing and more, more so not necessarily marketing, but like brand management. How are we positioning our brand? How are we positioning um, new products that we can potentially develop in the field as well? And I guess one of the big things that I keep sitting back with is I need to make sure that that person can succeed in that role. So I need to be able to develop metrics or have really kind of strong um, deliverables that I'm expecting from them. So until I take the time to actually sit down and put down, here's what I think your next six months are going to look like, I can't hire someone for that role because that's destined for failure if I don't lay it out for here's what I need this person to accomplish. How many hours of sleep are you getting? I aim for eight hours because otherwise it's not a pretty sight in the morning. <laughs> so I try. I, I, I've, I've been a lot better with, um, with going home and actually like disconnecting. So I've, I've tried. I don't know if it works, but I try. <laughs> Work-life balance. Uh... If you can model it, that's probably not a bad thing. My dog helps. He, he you know, I have to be home for him. <laughs> if someone says, who's Torrigin? How do you like to answer that? I mean, I think uh, Torrigin is a company that's focused on helping companion animals and developing really novel therapies in the veterinary cancer space that can really extend um, potentially beyond companion animals um, with the technology that we're developing. So I think, you know, positioning Torigen or Biologics uh, company that because we play in the companion animal space, we're potentially able to provide really cutting edge therapies that can accelerate uh, development prior to um, getting to humans. So I think when I think about Torigen, where we were two years ago to where we're going to be two years from now, I really, um, I want us to be positioned as a leader here and as someone that can really take an idea and move faster with it. When you're making a presentation and you're talking to people afterwards, sometimes I'm sure people come up to you and kind of play back to you what you said and you said, I did a good job. They got it. And sometimes I'm guessing they come back to you and they say, oh, I understand you're this kind of company with these kinds of goals. And you're thinking to yourself, they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. When they don't get it, what do they get wrong? What do you have to come back to them with and say, oh, no, it's actually this? I mean, we've had multiple times when we do a presentation and someone comes back and like, wow, you're curing cancer. And it's like, okay, wait, wait, let's walk this back from both a regulatory perspective and from a scientific perspective, there is no cure for cancer. However, with our approach, um, when we take what went wrong, we feel that we have a really strong anagenic array of tumor targets that we could then provide back. And by doing so, it really allows us to have a strong platform of those antigens that we could then further build on in regards to future product development. So it's, you know, I think that the, the big thing they get wrong is like, oh, they're, they're, it's it's a cure? No, not a cure. However, can we prevent that tumor from coming back? Can we decrease the likelihood or potential for metastases? And can we have that pet live longer? Those are all three possibilities that we're working to attain and achieve. And when you say that, uh, does that satisfy those people who didn't get it and say, oh, yeah. I think it depends if they're a scientist or not. So it, uh, I think the, the, I think there's some people that still walk away of like, oh, they're, they're still curing cancer. Oh, oh I try, I try. <laughs> um, but I think it's 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 about from a scientific perspective. I 
100% believe immunotherapy is the way that we need to go um, as a first line of defense against cancer. However, this is not going to work for everyone. It's not going to work for every pet. However, to have the potential for this working on early stage diseases is something that needs to be further investigated, both on the companion animal side as well as on the human side. What kind of partners are a good fit to Tarjan? So... I consider the veterinary clinics that we work with as a as a partner because there's no right answer for when a pet comes in with cancer. And I would say that the answer that we position for the veterinarians on our team is we want to tell the veterinarian, this pet is not right for our therapy and and provide the reasons why. Uh, and I think that by doing so and saying, no, not this pet, this pet is better positioned with the heavy hitters, chemo, and radiation. We not only build trust with that clinic, but they become that partner to us of, well, what about this one? Yes, this is a good one. This is an early stage disease. Um, we weren't able to have a complete resection of the tumor. We have dirty margins, and we have a measurable amount of tumor material that still has to be kind of cleaned up by the immune system. And, and being able to have those conversations with those veterinary clinics make them want to partner with us. So I think that's just such a valuable asset that we have um, and something we're really working on expanding on is that, you know, we're, we're consultative in our approach because every pet and every animal is different. And, you know, sometimes we get, and, and veterinary clinics will see this, you know, every day, uh, we call them the N of one cases, the cancer types that we can't find any literature about, that this is, a, a complete, you know, a, a, a weird thing that this animal came in with. And there is no right way to treat this pet. So what do we do and how can we work with that vet clinic as a partner? What kind of people do well at Torigen? Eager, hardworking, smart, ethical, problem solvers, are all people that are going to do really well here. It's it's about if there's a roadblock, don't come to me with what that roadblock is. Come to me and say, I think I have two options that I want to further explore. And then together we can make a really well-informed decision, either by reaching out to our board, reaching out to our scientific team. Like we're, we'll, we'll come to a conclusion, but we can't come to a roadblock. So I think it's... Um, I think it's people who are, are willing to work really, really hard. So I know that's something that that I do is, you know, someone should be able to kind of pick up in a lot of different pieces as necessary and, and be, be willing to put in the extra work. This is still a startup company. I don't expect people to be here until 9 o'clock at night, but on the times that we all have to be here until 9 o'clock at night because we have a big deadline or deliverable, then we're all going to be here and we're going to work together and I'll buy everybody dinner. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like little things like that. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it's not about, it's not about putting in the hours, it's about actually getting it done. So if you get it done between nine to four, nine to three even, I'm totally fine with that. But then no, there's sometimes we all have to work together to really get things done. After you've hired that person, you can observe and see if that's working or not working and make a decision. In that interview, how do you go about finding out, I know you don't, 
no one ever really knows, but how do you try to find out if that might be that kind of person you just described? So outside of one person, every other person that has been here was hired by the company in some sort of part-time capacity. I think it is really important to, when you're making a hire, that you know they are going to be someone that is adding value to a small company and I think the worst thing that I could do or worst mistake I can make is hire someone that doesn't either fit with our culture or isn't going to to put in the the work so every single person here and again except one has um has has all been here in a part-time capacity and that one person that wasn't here in a part-time capacity is phenomenal and an extremely hard worker so it it you know we knew from right off the get-go that from the interviews that this was going to be a person that we could work with and then also before that individual started they were like what can i do send me publications i want to review this what do you think about this perfect that's what i need do you ever think to yourself, if this succeeds, I will have done some good and then try to think about, well, what would that good be that I would do? I think every day. And I think that a lot of people come to us and they're like, this is a company that actually is doing good. Like, it's so much cooler than my company. And and we are doing good every single day because if we're making we're making a lot the we're making a change in the lives of people and their pets because when a person calls us and they don't have any direction as to what do they do we're going to be there to provide that direction and we're going to be there to provide kind of a network of contacts for them to reach out to and you know if the therapy extends the life of their dog by two days two weeks two months two years who am I to say that that time wasn't worthwhile for them to be with their to be with their pet before they decide to that it's time? So you know I think that every day is a blessing that you have with your animal, and cancer is a devastating diagnosis. And if we're able to make any divot in that, and we're able to provide hope to that pet owner that we're doing something, and we're, we have an option that uh, is safe and can extend the life in, in, in cases, then it's that hope that they're able to say, at least I tried something, because unfortunately in veterinary medicine, 90% of pet owners do not have the option to try something. It's cost prohibitive, it's difficult to get to um, uh, the treatment options and, you know, uh, there's adverse events associated with each of those. So it really becomes this cost benefit analysis that shouldn't be there. And with our therapy, we we're, we're able to to work with the general practitioner in some cases. And we're, you know, we're able to provide just a little bit more for that for that pet owner. So I think that every day is good. How did Tarjan go about choosing Farmington as its place to be headquartered? I'm from Connecticut. I grew up in Connecticut. I'm a Yukon undergrad alum. And once I heard about TIP, saw the facilities, it was kind of like a, a no-brainer that this is where we're going to be located. It was just a matter of time before we had the funding necessary in order to move in here. 
So TIP is uh, the University of Connecticut's Technology Incubation Program. Um, there's multiple locations, Farmington stores, as well as Avery Point, and it offers um, lab spaces associated with the university. So I think right now it's between 30 to 40 companies that operate within the TIP community. And here in Farmington, I think it's, well, almost 30. Um, so almost all of the companies are located here. We're on the campus of UConn Health and it's phenomenal. So the former chief scientific officer of Pfizer is across the hall and owns a company. So if you have a question, you go to your peers and you go to, um, well, I, I, he's definitely not my peer, but kind of is here. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, we go, we, we, we work together as, as kind of little groups. And, um, we also, you know, we, we cross collaborate both with the university and both, um, between, between companies. So, uh, every company here has a tire and affiliation with UConn. It could be as small as we use this certain piece of equipment that we pay for versus, you know, we have um, a, a research relationship with one of the labs that we have a sponsored research agreement with. So it can it can vary, but it's it's so cool to be here. There's tons of events that go on. Just the other day, um, I think uh, the former uh, president of a large pharmaceutical company was just walking around the hallway, talked to him, and he was able to make a connection for me. It's like things like that don't happen in the real world. So it's it's a really great place for us to be located and to grow into. Would you say that your reference point is primarily central Connecticut and the network you just described? Is it the corridor between here and say New York and Boston and, and Connecticut? Is it national? Is it international? What, I know you zoom in and out each day, I'm sure, but you know, what's your focus? I think it depends on, um, so like our, the clinics that use us are nationwide. Um, we're also looking to establish a laboratory up in Canada. However, I would say that the primary investors and like venture capital that we are associated with is between the New York to Boston corridor. So we're kind of right in the middle. It's great that I can go right in and out of Boston for a meeting and then vice versa to New York. How about access to capital? How's that work here? I've found it to be really phenomenal. I think that um, Connecticut Innovations is a accelerator of being able to connect the dots between different funding sources um, within the state here, um, nationally as well. And I have been um, extremely pleased, happy, and I guess maybe in, in one sense I was didn't know how much capital that we actually had access to by being here. You always kind of think, oh no, tech has to be Silicon Valley and, and of course all healthcare is up in Boston. Well, not necessarily, like we're, we're really building something that's great here. In addition to Connecticut Innovations, which organizations are helpful to you and to Taringen in this area? Um, we work a lot with like the Small Business uh, Development Corporation. We do a lot with UConn. Uh, Women in Bio uh, is great. Um, also, there's there's oh gosh, I, I don't I don't even know if I could list all of them um, out, but there's so many organizations that we're either affiliated with, we're involved with on the periphery. We go to a lot of different events, and it's just a really great community to 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 be here in Connecticut. I think BioCT is probably the ag of all what's going on on a given day and it really helps uh, facilitate 
facilitate connections. That's all you're looking for as you're starting a business. It's who can you get connected with and how are those connections going to lead to the next next one? I think about my sons who are interested in living in, in places where things are going on and one son lives in Montreal and may be living in the D.C. area. Central Connecticut is not that and yet you want young people, you want experienced people. How do you deal with that question? I think that there are plenty of great people here and I think that there's also some good things that attract young people to to come back here, you know. I think that there's, I don't know, it's, it's it's pretty lively, it's pretty fun. There's great job opportunities here. I think the cost of living in Connecticut is is high, but not as high as DC, not as high as New York, not as high as um, San Francisco, you know? So it's, it's um, there's plenty here. And it's just about being able to find your niche. I think you could find your niche in anywhere you you decide to to live and, and from a company perspective you know we have we have Yale we have UConn we have um, the state schools here in Connecticut uh, Wesleyan Trinity Concal there's really great feeder colleges out uh, here that can really start um, you know if people are willing to stay then there's jobs here especially from a scientific perspective and then there's the retention question too right I mean I yeah. don't think I would think once you find your right people, you're more likely to hold on to them here. I, well, one of my employees, um, her uh, boyfriend moved uh, from here out to San Diego and she convinced him to move back. So, you know, I think, I think San Diego is pretty tempting of a place. Uh, however, uh, there's, there's a lot going on here. So what is it, weather or opportunity? Thanks, Ashley. I appreciate you spending time with me today. Thank you. Appreciate it, John. In the opening to our podcast, Ashley said she prefers to be known as the founder of Torigen Pharma rather than chief executive officer. She does hold both titles. I've had the fortune to work with several biopharma founders, and they've shared a determination to get things done and an unshakable belief they'll get there. While those qualities sound like prerequisites for anyone who's going to lead a biopharma company, The founders I've known seem to have an unusual blend of optimism and perseverance. As someone who's been a co-founder of a company and has helped to nurture it for 30 years, I can say I understand and admire these founders. I'm John Simboli. You're listening to BioBoss.